1: This is Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and I'm privileged to be the Director of Local Ministries at True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, KPAM News Talk 860, Talk 1640, 93.1 El Ray, and 104.1 The Fish. And if you join The Fish Fan Club, you can buy one, get one ticket free to see this wonderful comedy show that we're bringing to town. It's Johnny W.'s Clean Comedy Night for the Whole Family this Saturday night, March 10th at East Hill Church in Gresham, and all the details are at our various websites. So, Johnny W., welcome. How are you today?
2: Doing great. How are you?
1: I have no complaints. Have you been to Portland before?
2: Uh, once or twice. I did uh, a couple of times. I did a crossroads in Vancouver area.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a great uh, church.
2: church a of, yeah, big church. I did that a couple of times. A men's event for Lifeway I did there uh, with Pastor Tony Evans. That was a fun event. Uh, and I've been to Portland a few times with Tim Hawkins. i travel with him some. So,
1: One of my um, all-time favorites is Tim Hawkins. Oh,
2: he's terrific. Oh, he's terrific. So how, guy,
1: how did the two of you
2: meet up, Johnny? I met Tim at, uh, there's, a, there's an association called the Christian Comedy Association. So it's comics from all over uh, the U.S. and even some parts of Canada. We do a national conference. Uh, uh, every year and I met him in 2009 uh, it would have been uh, at that conference and then in 2011 his brother who manages him by then I would have been doing comedy like four years I guess and he got a hold of my cd and said hey we like what you're doing stay with it and then by 2012 I was touring about 20 days a year with tim uh as a middle basically tim doesn't use openers he comes out and does about an hour and then brings me out in the middle of the show and then we do some time some jokes together and music together and then he closes the show so it's different different format and very he's very uh generous on stage with time like he's a super humble guy so he doesn't really make you go out to a cold crowd and be like see what you got kid fall on the grenade like he's always very cool about it and So he's meant a lot to my career and my life and uh, super, super cool, humble guy, laid back and uh, a godly dude and just uh, one of my favorite people in the world.
1: What a wonderful thing to do to team up with Tim Hawkins. I'm sure that he doesn't do that with just about anybody because the last several times I've seen him, he sold out really easily here in the Pacific Northwest and he was solo at the time. So the fact that he's incorporated Johnny W. into a Tim Hawkins show means you must have really impressed him at one of these get togethers.
2: I guess so. I don't know. I, 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 I'm very grateful for the opportunities I've been given because, you know, I started out in music, in Christian music. I was in a Christian rock band for about seven years and trying to get signed, and, and we were an indie band. And
1: Now, is that anyone we, we may have heard of?
2: No, you'd never have heard of us. We were called Scarlet Thread. We were in Southeast. So I'm from Tennessee, and so we kind of did a lot of Southeast stuff. We had a couple of labels looking at us. Word Records was looking at us and Sparrow. And, you know, it just didn't work out. But that was a good precursor to not, I don't want to say don't get your hopes up, but don't live and die by each show. You know, that tonight could be the night that you're going to whatever. Because I lived on that roller coaster when I was in a band of, we're going to make it. We're not going to make it. Nobody cares, you know. And so when I started doing comedy in 2008, I just always decided like, I'm going to just appreciate this for what it is and the opportunities that come, I'll just let them come. And because of that attitude, I think it's left me more open to just really just stop and smell the roses. And so I'm so grateful for any opportunity I've been given, but I got a lot of open doors early on in my career compared to other comics that I knew. And I just, I just pinch myself when I think, man, I was, I was a four year comedian just a baby really that's not even that's not anything in comedy and here I was on this stage in front of 2,000 people with in Tim Hawkins show and it just uh it really solidified what I wanted to do in my own show to watch a pro like that and to just go here's this guy who has the world by the tail but he also is sharing the stage with somebody who's new at it and giving him opportunities he's always looking to send. there's a there's no principle in In entertainment, that says, when you get to the top of the elevator, or when you get to the top floor, send the elevator back down. And I think Tim's one of those guys that's always sending the elevator back down for somebody else, which is really cool. And I try to do that, too.
1: What a wonderful thing it is that Tim Hawkins is giving back to the comedy community. Kind of reminds me, Johnny, of Mercy Me touring out with Rock and Worship Roadshow. Here's this big dog at the end of the night. But, oh, by the way, here's some other up-and-comers we want you to see before we hit the stage.
2: Right. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of times when you get when you do uh, entertainment or whatever we call what we do, uh, you're you get if you live by the world standards, you're kind of afraid of being uh, having your thunder stolen or having somebody, some new kid come up and and steal your uh, your laughs. In Tim's case, like here's a guy who his face is on the ticket. uh, So what in the world does he need somebody like me for? Well, he feels like it makes the show better to have a variety. And so he's willing to, to do that. And so I just think it's, it's made me do that. When I have a show, I do that a lot. When I travel, I try to take an opener that's not been doing it as long as me, uh, when I can. Uh, and I don't know, it just kind of really informed the kind of style of ministry that I wanted to have when I was going out doing these shows. And a lot of that I owe to Tim because I just watched him and how he carried himself. So good stuff.
1: So it's nice that Tim Hawkins has spread his humility to you, Johnny Dudley, because you want to bring up the next up-and-comer to open up for you at times, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. It should be. It's like, um, you know, uh, I know some magicians and illusionists, and that's a big thing in the the magician community is you share secrets and you pass down uh, what you know to the next guy. Uh, And it's like a culture of, you know, it's like a little uh, fraternity of people. And that's how comedy should be, especially Christian comedy. We should be more inclusive and not exclusive. We shouldn't be looking to be like, how Why am I going to train this guy to take my job from me? We should be less afraid of that and more like, look, there's, it's always better if there's more excellent people doing this for a living, because it's going to raise the level of the whole thing, you know?
1: Oh, I love that attitude. So back in my rock DJ days, I'd noticed that Van Halen back, with the original lineup, refused to have Poison open for them because Brett Michaels was starting to out-jump and out-move David Lee Ross. So they didn't want the, <laughs> to be shown up by their opener. So it's nice to see the complete oh, yeah. opposite with right. you.
2: Well, we did shows when I was in a band where we would open for a big band, and I won't name names, but we opened for a lot of big bands that were really great to us. Like, we all banned open for Switchfoot, and they were super great, and John Foreman's one of my heroes.
1: Oh, how wonderful.
2: But, oh, it was great uh they're they're as advertised they're terrific uh but we opened for some other bands and they literally did not turn the subwoofers on until they came out so our show would sound weaker than their show it was like a little like (laughs) like a trick of the trade that way when the headliner took the stage you knew the show had really started because now you heard bass Uh. (laughs)
1: yeah So I wonder if that's the band or if it's the that's the techie or the yeah, audio guy know. or what? Or, or the venue. <laughs> I
2: it's just it's such a funny thing the idea of that. Uh the idea that somebody would be that insecure. But I mean look, it's just it's part of the deal. Sometimes people are are afraid of losing their spot to the next person and I just I feel like it's such a big pie and the best thing for any art form is to have more people that are good at it doing it and uh, we'll all be better off because what we don't want is a bunch of people who are hoarding the top spots and then, you know, they get older and age out. And now you don't, you've not trained anybody else to come along and be good at this. Uh, you're not given them any opportunities because you're so scared of it. I just, I don't live in that fear. I just think, man, there's, there's so many young, talented people. I had an opener this weekend uh, in Dublin, Georgia, came in and did 15 minutes in my show. And his name's Andrew Stanley. He's out of uh, Atlanta. And it's Andy Stanley's uh, son, the pastor.
0: Really? So, is, is he funny? Yeah,
2: he's a, uh, he's a, uh, he works as a financial consultant, something like that for an electric company is his day job. And he started doing stand up about a year and a half ago. Well, he's terrific. And what a funny, he's got a funny perspective on church, as you can imagine, and just is doing a lot of clubs uh, and I said, well, you need to be doing more churches because you have such a funny perspective. And he's like, well, I'd like to. I just, my name kind of gets in the way sometimes. Well, I had him come open for me, and he just killed. He's, he's fantastic. So I just think living in that fear of like, well, what if he gets bigger laughs than me? It's like, so what? As long as the people sitting in those seats laughed for an hour and a half, I'm good, you know? <laughs>
1: So has the transition been for you, Johnny W.? You opened up for yeah. some wonderful bands. And it's funny you mentioned Switchfoot. They brought it when they played at Fish Fest here in Oregon. Was Switchfoot All one right. of your heroes as you were growing up listening to music?
2: Absolutely. They were, when I got, because I was out of church for about five years, when I was 18 or so to about 24, I was out of church. And then when I got back in church, I immediately got into worship culture, and I started playing worship music on campus at UT, University of Tennessee, Knoxville, with a band that we formed, and we went on to make a few CDs and, and record a couple of projects, and and Switchfoot was one of those bands that when I got back into church, this would have been, you know, New Way to Be Human, Legend of Chen, Learning to Breathe tour, this would have been, they were definitely the band for me that bridge that gap between what was really great art and also had a message behind it. It wasn't kind of paint by numbers, Christian music that I was, that I grew up on. So it was a really important band, uh, for me to see like, Oh, there's, there's people out there that are doing this in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, I think Switchfoot, I think Switchfoot's probably not just the best. I think they're probably the most important Christian band, uh, in the world, and I think they're, they bring it every night. John Foreman is, over the years, has turned himself into such a great headliner, a front man, and um, I don't know. I just I have such respect for those guys.
1: So Johnny W, we're very much looking forward to seeing you this Saturday night from seven and nine at East Hill Church in Gresham. And is the fact that you were in a band and that you did tour does that make your comedy more eccentric?
2: Uh, maybe, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, my taste in comedy is a little bit different. I like um, I like kind of a snarky sensibility to comedy. I like to give the audience uh, something that they're not really kind of expecting. And so I like to be as edgy as I can without being outright mean. I think comedy needs kind of um, there needs to be a butt to the joke, even if it's me, you know what I'm saying, there needs to be something a victim in the joke, even if it's me. So I have a lot of self-deprecating stuff. I tell a lot of stories about growing up, being an awkward kid. Um, but I also have a uh, – there's an edginess to what I do um, that I think people really relate to. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the South, but I am kind of got the sensibility of a northeastern person. I'm kind of sarcastic. And I don't know. I But as far as, like, uh, quirky, for sure – like I have some things in my DVD that I did in my live show where I'd bring somebody out of the audience just to sing like one or two notes of a song that I'm doing and then just ask them to go take their seat, you know. <laughs> I like things like that where people go, Why did he go to all that trouble just for that one thing? You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. That's I really like funny. That kind of stuff. So, what were some of your earlier influences, not only on the musical side, but who yeah. made you laugh? Who cracked you up? Whose show yeah. did you just have to see or whose album did you have to listen to?
2: Right. I mean, I was a big uh, Brian Regan guy, uh, who's still probably the best. I love Brian Regan. Uh, I grew up watching, like, the Carol Burnett show. I love Tim Conway and and Carol Burnett. And I was a big, my mom was a big Don Knotts person, so I loved Don Knotts. And,. And, um, but I like older shows too. Like I grew up on the Nick at night watching the Jack Benny show and Burns and Allen, George Burns and Gracie Allen. And I mean, just, so I have a really weird, um, uh, older person's sensibility when it comes to like who my influences would be. But I mean, today I would say Jim Gaffigan is amazing. Um, and then on the Christian side of things, I mean, you got, you got folks like, that are up and coming. I mean, you got Tim Hawkins, who's just rules the roost. You know, I tour some with John Crist, who's uh, just, you know, taking off like a rocket now um, and touring with Winter Jam right now. Uh, there's a guy named Dustin Nickerson out of California who is fantastic, who I also tour with. He actually has ties to Seattle, so you'll probably be seeing more of him in the North Pacific Northwest. If you get a chance to see Dustin Nickerson, he's fantastic. Um, I don't know. I love Seinfeld growing up. You know, you can't go wrong with Jerry Seinfeld.
1: I love the this total irrelevance about the entire show of Seinfeld.
2: Sure. Sure he changed he changed the sitcom forever for everybody, you know. He he kind of spun it on its head. People forget like sitcoms were going a certain way until Seinfeld and now they just people approach them differently because of how he rewired our brains. You know, it's pretty great.
1: We're looking forward to seeing Johnny W. in his comedy show this Saturday night, March 10th, from 7 to 9 at East Hill Church in Gresham. And here's something you need to catch in on, friends. If you join the Fish Fan Club, you can buy one, get one ticket free to see Johnny W. All the details are up at our various websites. And when we return, more with the man Johnny W. Check out his personal website as well. JohnnyW.com, which I will spell dot com. More with Johnny W. next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Johnny W. His comedy show will be this Saturday night, March 10th, from 7 to 9 at East Hill Church in Gresham. And you can save yourself some bucks by joining the Fish Fan Club. Buy one ticket, get one ticket free if you do join the Fish Fan Club. So, Johnny, we're looking forward to having you back in the Pacific Northwest. And is it extra special because it's your show as opposed to opening for someone else?
2: Oh, sure. I mean, that's always more fun because you get to kind of... It's not just because you want to have all the spotlight. It's more of a... I get to kind of show all the different facets. Like, after an hour with me or an hour and a half with me, you kind of know me. Whereas if you only have 15 minutes, I might just do, like, my favorite jokes. And they might just be funny, but you might not leave that show really understanding who I am as a person. So if you spend an hour and a half with a comedian, you probably know his point of view on most everything if he's a good writer. So that's why I like doing the full show, because you get to kind of see every weirdness and every facet, which is great.
1: So when did you know that your band that was touring across the country, was Scarlet Thread the name of it? Yeah, that's right. When did you know that the music chapter of your life was coming to a close. And how did you feel at this point before you got into comedy?
2: That's very diplomatically put. Uh, <laughs> you know when they tell you you didn't get a record deal <laughs> and your uh, the other lead singer of the group says, I'm taking a job at this church <laughs> in Nashville. <laughs> and then he leaves and then you stop booking shows. That's how you know. <laughs>
1: They make you um, give any equipment back or stuff, or
2: head in did, a T-shirt we, or ashtray? Uh, well, you know how it goes. You start going to a church, and they're like, hey, you've got all that equipment from the band. And you're like, yeah. And they're like, can we use these monitors? And then before you know it, all your equipment is in your home church for the youth group uh, band. And then you're just like, okay, this is fine.
1: Whatever <laughs> <laughs> happened to my, oh, we,
2: the youth group's got it. That's right. It's a right, It's a tax write-off. For my, it's my giving credit for the year. Uh,
1: you, but, you know what? Uh, it's probably a better tax deduction than if you tried to put it on Craigslist or something, right?
2: that's true or just went on being a band people don't realize how hard it is to to be a band it's really hard like people go how do you do comedy and i always think like when i talk to bands who are i'll be doing these festivals like fish fest or life fest or whatever and they'll be like how do you do what you do and i'm like how do you do what you do i have no, i still i did it for seven years and i we just couldn't crack the code and on top of that we had to split the money five ways so <laughs> it just uh it was hard So I have respect for anybody that tries to do anything artistic with their talent, but comedy just came more naturally to me. uh, And I just, I think being in a band made it, uh, I was used to being in front of a crowd by then. And so it kind of broke that, uh, you know, for me. And I could, I could do that without just, you know, sweating through my clothes. Okay. I can figure this out. I know what it's like to be in front of a crowd. Now if I can just figure out what I want to say, but, to answer your question about the band ending, we had a couple of uh, showcase. We had a couple of showcases for labels. Those went not great, but we had uh, a few labels looking at us, and we released a couple of projects that I'm proud of still. But they just—it's just hard. It's hard to get radio play, and it's hard to uh, to make it work when you have a real life. When you the older, you get, you start getting married, and all the band members start having kids, and you're just like, okay, this needs to start making money, or I have to. I have to figure out what else I'm going to do. And, and then one of our guys in our band, we just felt like he was called to pastor. So he, you know, went and got a job at a church and we're like, all right, well, that's probably, (laughs) that's our sign. So, um, but it's okay. i actually went and did that too. I took a job at a church, uh, shortly thereafter. And I was a young adult pastor, college pastor for about four years before I started doing comedy. So, uh, Hey man, it was that was another thing that really helped me get, figure out what I wanted to do and get comfortable speaking in front of a group. And, and, uh, then God started opening this door and I just, it was, uh, it felt like an obvious, an obvious move for me. And my church was so supportive. And so I had a lot of people around me early on that were just, they were very, uh, they were very supportive in a big way that I, it let me know that it was a God thing, you know?
1: We need to support each other more, Johnny W. I don't know why do. we don't get around to it as much as we could. Are, are we spinning our wheels so much in our everyday lives or, or wasting time on social media or our smartphones that we're oblivious to the people around us who need that word of encouragement from time to time?
2: That felt like that was directed at me. You you said you're wasting too much time on social media. That was directed at me. Look, I'm going to get off Facebook. Leave me alone about
1: it. Oh, I'm looking in the mirror right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, plus, I've got kids, and I'm always constantly trying to juggle the work balance yeah. with family time. And at the same right. time, the screen time thing. Well, if I've got a family reunion going on, the last thing I want to do is see the tops of people's heads while they're looking down at their phones.
2: Well, that's what, that's what we've made. That's why social media is so awkward, is we've created a whole generation of people. You know, like I always say, it's Thanksgiving dinner. Like, Thanksgiving dinner, when you see Uncle Fred, and you haven't seen him in five years, and you know he's eccentric, and he's going to tell you you're going to hell because you have a tattoo. Like, now Uncle Fred is in your face every day, and he's posting that Obama is the Antichrist on Facebook. So it's like, it's Thanksgiving dinner every day. <laughs>
1: There you go. But there's no good leftover gravy or stuffing or anything.
2: That's right. It's without the good food. There's no, we can't make a ham sandwich after it's just like all the bad things about Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> so relative to touring with your band, is it easier when it comes to the traveling logistics of running a Johnny W comedy show?
2: hundred percent because we're not pulling a trailer, it's, I mean, I have my guitar and I have a few things, but man, it's, when you with a band, you got to load in at 10 a.m. and you got a sound check and then lunch for the crew and it's just me. Usually, I bring an assistant sometimes with me or an opening comic, but man, uh, it's it's totally different with comedy. There's some shows I do where it's just me and a microphone. So, like, if you have a microphone at your venue and it plugs into a sound system, you have a comedy show. Whereas, if you want to have a band, you got to have all this other stuff all these requirements. So, it means I can do comedy at a lot of places the band wouldn't go, which is kind of cool.
1: There's a lot of people, Johnny W, who can do music on a stage and just put up with being in front of people, but I would think that being on the mic and doing a comedy show, that's got to be so much more pressure. How do you handle that? And have you always been good in front of a crowd?
2: No. In fact, when I was funny, when I was with the band, was when I was at my worst, because I was super introverted and shy, so I'd kind of hide behind the guitar. I didn't speak a lot between songs, even though I was the lead singer. Our rhythm guitar player and uh, the guy who wrote most of our songs, he would he would talk between the songs. And so it wasn't until I started doing stand-up and, and speaking that uh, I got more comfortable. Um, but yeah, to answer your question about the pressure, the pressure is there when you have enough uh, times where it's worked, like if in other words, if I have four or five shows in a row where this joke works, uh, then I'm not as nervous telling it to crowd number six because I'm like, well, this worked in Topeka. It's going to work in Portland. But if it's the first time you've told the joke or if it's the first time you've been in that kind of a crowd, like I'm doing a college next week, I'm doing Memphis University. Well, I do a lot of church events. I do a lot of conferences. I do some colleges, but I haven't done it in a while and I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, okay, well, is this gonna translate to an eighteen year old you know freshman? Uh, is it gonna work? Uh, are there gonna be idiots there who try to be smart Alex and heckle me Th- those things will run through your head and so I'm nervous about that because it's a new environment, but as far as like do I get nervous anymore? I think it's like an excitement it's like, it's like butterflies meaning. I'm still excited that I get to go do it, and you know that it could go wrong, but you have some confidence that, well, this has gone right a lot of times in a row, so I feel pretty good, but you never feel 100% comfortable ever. It's not. People that say, I feel so much more comfortable on stage than I do in my regular life. I don't know who those people are. (laughs) They must have a weird life.
1: So can you tell us about uh, some of the cities you've traveled to, Johnny W.? Have you ever had a joke completely fly and go really, really well in one city, and then crash and burn in the next one
2: yeah sometimes well you say about city sometimes you do a city it's a small town and you can kind of pick on their small town because they know they're a small town and you know tim hawkins used to do a bit he would say like hey thanks for coming out to if you're like in let's say you're in oneida tennessee hey thanks for coming out oneida i know there's a lot to do on a friday night in oneida And they'll laugh really hard. They know that they're a nowhere town, you know. And he'll say like, "There's a lot of cows that ain't going to be tipped." About 500 less people in Walmart or whatever. And but sometimes you do that joke, and the town kind of has a chip on their shoulder about being, you know, a small town. And so you kind of sometimes you got to be careful, more careful because there's a personality of of an area that you're in. Uh, But I mean, sometimes usually if a joke works. I think people are people and funny is funny. Um, When I started traveling, I always thought that, well, I'm a Southern comic. Is my stuff going to work in the Northeast? Well, actually, it works. If anything, it works better in the Northeast because I'm kind of a snarky, sarcastic person. And so sarcasm doesn't have to be really explained in the Northeast, you know. It oh, oh exactly.
1: I grew up on Long Island in New York, and it, sarcasm, it I, I was mistakenly right. thinking it was it was my love language or my spiritual gift for quite a while, but tell you what, you right, move cross-country, right. it doesn't fly everywhere. <laughs> it really does. Right,
2: and where well, there, you know, it's like if I do a joke, and I say, and then I, you know, and then I killed the cat or whatever, and it's obviously a joke, well, that'll get a huge laugh, and uh, Pennsylvania, because they know you didn't kill the cat, but in like Alabama, you might get a few people going, "Oh <laughs> you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. And they're like offended on behalf of the imaginary cat in the joke <laughs> so and I think uh, actually, I think the Pacific Northwest is kind of in between. there's a lot of I like I like that you can do smart comedy in the Pacific Northwest, you can be smart and you can be a little silly. And that's the best audiences is when they can, they get the smart stuff and they also are willing to be a little silly with you. Um, Those are the best.
1: So Johnny W, before we see you this Saturday night at East Hill church in Gresham, tell us how does travel affect your wife? I mean, you have to leave loved ones at home when you're doing all of these comedy shows. How do you negotiate that balance of not only being a professional comedian on tour, but of being a husband, of being a priest of a household.
2: Yeah, it's a balance. I'm still, it's a balance that you have to just strike every day. You have to kind of say, well, just because this has been great up to now uh, doesn't mean that there won't be a time when I could grow apart from my life if I let uh, communication go down or whatever. In other words... In the beginning, she's just like all oh, on board. Well, look, this is great. This is, you're in your, you're living your dream. Go be this thing. And you could just be like, well, that's what you said. And then, but next thing you look up and you're doing, I do a hundred, over a hundred events a year now. So I'm on the road almost 160, 170 days a year. So I check with her all the time. Hey, is this too many? Is And we travel together some. So I'll say, hey, April's really full. I'm going to be gone a lot. Why don't you just come with me uh, three of these weekends? And she'll be like, oh, this is great. So we'll look on the calendar, and she'll find uh, she'll find three or four trips that she wants to go on. And it's just something we just got. We just did that trip. Uh, we did that trip. I was telling you about where Andrew Stanley opened for me in Dublin, Georgia. Well, Dublin, Georgia, you talk about a nowhere town. They're the sweetest people in the world, but there's nothing going on in Dublin, Georgia. But I said, well, at least we'll be together. And we had a great time. So it's a six-hour drive one way, but, you know, we just uh, put on our favorite podcast, and here we come, you know. So we try to stay connected as much as we can. We don't have kids. That's, that's a little bit easier because we don't have children. Um, so it's easier for us to just kind of drop everything and travel together if we want to. Um, but, yeah, I, I try to make sure that I'm always touching base with her on every decision that's made. Um, because we're still a team, even though we do drastically different things. She's a caregiver, uh, during the day, it's her job. And here I am out telling jokes and, but we're a team, we're one. And so it means that she gets to be in on all this. And so I try to keep her in the loop as much as I can and make sure she knows how much she's valued. And, uh, so far so good, you know, we're going on 23 years of marriage. So seriously, Yep, Congratulations.
1: Years. That's fantastic. You Great. look so young in your pictures. I'm thinking, wow, what they got married when they're five or something?
2: <laughs> what are was, they do in that it was side Tennessee. of the coast? Tennessee, yeah. So.
1: <laughs> Great words of wisdom yeah. from a good man of God who's also quite funny and musical on stage. You can check out Johnny W.'s website. I'll spell that for you dot W.com. Find out all about Johnny W. and his comedy. He's touring with Tim Hawkins on the Rock Show Comedy Tour. And don't forget, he's playing this Saturday night from 7 to 9 at East Hill Church in Gresham. And what's really neat is you can buy one ticket and get one free if you join the Fish Fan Club. More with Johnny W. next on Difference Makers. This is Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. And this Saturday night, March 10th, from 7 to 10, we've got a great comedy night coming to East Hill Church in Gresham. Featuring Johnny W., armed with a guitar and his sharp wit, he'll be bringing you a night full of laughs. Again, that's this Saturday, March 10th at East Hill Church in Gresham. Tickets are on sale. In fact, you can buy one and get one free if you join the Fish fan club. So make sure that you do ASAP. And Johnny W., thank you so much for coming back to the Pacific Northwest.
2: You bet. I'm excited, man. This is great.
1: So you're mentioning that at times you go touring with your wife. So when she comes along with you, have you had any great times, any great dates or cities that you got to explore together?
2: Yeah, you know, she loves Philadelphia a whole lot. Um, She loves history. And so we got to spend an extra day in Philadelphia. And we went around to the, you know, it was the original capital of the U.S. back in the day. So we got to go to the original Capitol building and the museums and you learn all about the founding fathers and the Continental Congress and all that. And then we went back to Philadelphia, uh, six months or so ago. And she found, she recognized she's into, she's really into true crime, uh, like podcasts and things. Mm -hmm. And so she, there's a museum there called the Mütter Museum, M-U-T-T-E-R. And it's a museum of like the body and so you go in and there's like all these, it's so weird. It's like people who have died. It's like a, there's medical, There's it's like a medical experiment, uh, history.
1: You've got a real Anderton wife, Johnny.
2: <laughs> it is, it is the weirdest two hours I've ever spent. And I think she could have hung out in there all day. Uh, but I mean, it's so, it's so strange. So there's all these medical oddities, uh, you know in formaldehyde, uh, in a jar and behind glass. And you're looking at it, reading the history of it. And, you know, she loved it so much and it's downtown Philadelphia right there by the, it's near the Liberty bell. So it's like such a weird convergence of cultures, but she loved that more than anything I think we've ever done. And we've been all we've been to San Diego, we've been on a cruise to Alaska, but she wanted to go see like the hand that was cut off and in the jar and, and you know, the medical oddities or the guy that had, you know, seven fingers on one hand. I don't know. She's just, she's, she's an interesting lady.
1: it sounds like it, Johnny W. So when (laughs) did two of you meet, much less get married?
2: We met at a movie theater. I was, my first job was at a movie theater and she was hired and I was training her to open a movie theater across town of the same chain. Uh, and so a bunch of people came in as trainees and I was part of that theater that helped train them. And so we started dating a few months after and, and, uh, and then I got a second job, uh, at Home Depot cause I knew I was going to propose to her. So I knew I, well, I better get a better job in this movie theater job. And, uh, so, <laughs> so I was working two jobs and, and, uh, so I proposed. I, we've, I've been married since I was 21. She was 19 when we got married. And we're coming up on 23 years. So, yeah, I taught her how to shovel popcorn. That's the secret.
1: Wow, congratulations. So, friends, if you're looking to find that special someone, you can always teach them how to shovel popcorn. You never know where that's that's going to lead. So, at this (laughs) stage of the game, did you marry before your band Scarlet Thread went on tour?
2: Yes. Yeah, so this would have been... early mid nineties is when I got married. And so I didn't start doing the band thing until 98, 99. So, yeah. So she's seen me do a lot of, we ran a nonprofit for a while. We ran a nonprofit housing ministry for a while. So I've tried to starve my family in very many ways. Uh, comedy is only the latest attempt. And so she's probably the most supportive person that you'd ever want to meet. She's just like, Oh, this is your dream. Let's go do it. You know? So we've done all kinds of stuff. I was, I was on staff at a church. I was in a Christian rock band, and now a stand-up comedy. So yeah, we're just uh, she's on. She's along for the ride, and uh, she's terrific.
1: So between having an eccentric wife with eccentric tastes, when it comes to you know formaldehyde and body parts that she would go to see in Philadelphia, that's that's just that's just a riot. Have your various experiences when it comes to job given you a lot of material for your comedy show, Johnny?
2: Yeah, there's more in it now than ever. Stuff that it's interesting because when you're a kid. You kind of blend in when you're a kid. You don't want to stand out because you don't want to be made fun of. And then once you get older, you realize the only way to to really be anybody, you have to stand out. And so, in other words, in comedy, the things that I was embarrassed of as a kid, those are the things I end up writing jokes about now, and I'm using those on stage. And that's how I make my living, is mining those embarrassing moments that I thought I was going to die from and now that's what is going to pay off my house. You know what I'm saying? It's such a strange thing, but it's true. So a lot of those early job experiences and embarrassing moments as a kid, uh, the terrible gym class moment, all those things that you think, oh, my gosh, I'll never never live this down, those are the things that you would spend your life hiding from people, and now those are the ones I say into a microphone. So you never know.
1: So – for all the bad experiences we may have growing up, at least Johnny W. is cashing in on them in his comedy That's shows.
2: Right. That's, right. That's right. Yeah.
1: Did you yeah. ever have any jokes that went back to family members that got back to them?
2: Yeah, well, you know, you never know. Sometimes uh, if you tell a joke about your family, it's usually not 100% as it happened. You made it a little bit more embellished. You, you made it a little more absurd than it was. But like... uh I stayed at my brother's house one day and he really wanted me to stay with him and not get a hotel. It meant a lot to him and I was like, "Okay." But he didn't have a really a guest room, so he put me on this airbed. And so I don't like airbeds. They're uncomfortable, but I was just trying to, you know, appease him. I want to be, you know, close to my brother, so okay, whatever. We stayed. And I ended up making a joke about airbeds in my show and uh and it was a big part of the show. Like, it was a big laugh in the show. And I notice now when I stay with him, he'll be like, well, we got a bed in the guest room now. There's no, you know, we're not going to put you on air. I was like, well, you know, it's just a joke. Like, you did not have to go buy a bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he was a little self-conscious. So sometimes it's usually nothing like that. But, like, sometimes you can make a joke or you tell a story about your wife and you do her voice. And then you'll have like Tim Hawkins told me that, that he would do jokes about his wife and he would do this voice, this little mousy voice for his wife and that he would finish the show and his wife would be like, I don't like that voice. You make me sound terrible. And so he had to like tweak it <laughs> you know, to make her feel better. Right? Which I think funny.
1: Wise man. So do you enjoy the times that you tour with other comedians like Tim Hawkins, Johnny?
2: They're the best. Um, now doing it, uh, on your own is fine, and it's like I said, you get to do a longer show, which gives you a more more time to really spread out and do all the jokes you want to do. But uh, it's a lonely job compared to being in a being in a band. It was four or five of us on the road, and we were just all for one, one for all. When you're in comedy, to keep things inexpensive, you just you go by yourself a lot, or sometimes I'll travel with my wife or one person to just help with my. Product table or or travel, and uh, it can be kind of lonely. So when you get a chance to travel with another comedian, I've traveled with Michael Jr. and I've done shows with Anita Renfro and uh, and Shonda Pierce and some other comics like that. Uh, when you get a chance to do those, they stand out in your mind because it's like like I said, it's like a fraternity of. It's almost like uh, the only thing I can compare it to is if you ever see two soldiers. Uh, that don't know each other, but they they instantly have this connection because they know what the other person's kind of been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the closest thing to comedy that I could compare it to because um, it's, it's like I already know enough about you to know that we would probably be able to talk for an hour or two just on shared. Even if you're a totally different person than me, just because you're a comedian, I would already have enough shared experiences with you that we would probably get along. And so when you get a chance to share uh, the road with another comedian, um, it's, uh, it's like a breath of fresh air. You, if you feel encouraged, especially with another Christian comedian like Michael Jr., Tim. You feel encouraged. You can kind of lift each other up and say, hey, man, hang in there, Whatever whatever's going on. You can kind of touch base, and uh, it's kind of a, a grounding experience.
1: I want to change gears here, Johnny W. We're all certainly looking forward to your comedy show this Saturday night, March 10th from 7 to 9 at East Hill Church in Gresham. Not only because you can buy one, get one if you join the Fish Fan Club, but because, especially nowadays, there's just so much turmoil going on in the world, politically, uh, safety-wise, uncertainty-wise. So do you feel a special calling to really bring it home and make these people leave two hours later with something they could chuckle about. Do you get a rush bringing people joy?
2: Yeah, I mean it's the best. Uh, I talked to I talked to some folks at the fish yesterday on the interview there, and and I told them my favorite thing about doing comedy uh, in this type of venue because I do some clubs too, and I still do some corporate events for companies. But the difference when when you do a, a family event, there's really not a lot left for families to enjoy together. Everything's so dialed in and focused on programming is focused on, you know, 14 to 16 year olds or it's, you know, uh, only geared towards older folks. And I think uh, comedy is so universal if it's done right. And my favorite thing about doing this is when an entire family can come to me at the end of the show and they all had a good time and I can see it on their faces. And, I think that's just so special, and like you said, it's a it's a it's a weird world we're living in now, where there's a lot of negativity, uh, and it feels like it's everywhere. And so, I try to give people a break when they're at my show. I don't like I don't do political jokes, and part of that's not just because I don't have a strong political opinion. I have political opinions, but I think that you're inundated with it day in, day out, so it's like, why would they want to come to my comedy show and hear that from me? Um, Because it's only going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to support their bias, and they're going to applaud, and it's just pandering, or I'm going to challenge their viewpoint, and they're going to be offended. So it's like, it's not going to go well. I don't want to pander, because I think that's, that's weak, and I don't want to necessarily divide the crowd in half with my dumb political viewpoint. So, I try to joke about stuff that we all have in common, or stuff that we uh, that we've all experienced, and uh, let that be the thing that my jokes are about. But yeah, I think laughter's so needed, and it's like a, you know, the Bible talks about how it's it, it's healing. It's like a, it's good, like a medicine. I think um, a brittle a brittle spirit dries the bones. You know, what I'm saying it's it's uh, there's a lot of brittle people. Uh, in the world right now. So I think comedians are necessary uh and I'm honored to do what I do. And uh so it's, it's it's a cool thing to do.
1: Thanks so much for coming out this Saturday night March 10th to East Hill Church in Gresham, Johnny W. Buy one get one friends if you join the Fish Fan Club. And Johnny, could you tell us when did you become a Christian on your own two feet? When did you come to know the Lord on your own accord?
2: Yeah, well, I, was, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom was uh, a really strong believer, and so I went to church early on, VBS, the whole nine. And so I'm sure that I made a profession of faith probably five, six years old, and went to church and did all the right things. I lost—I feel like I was kind of piggybacked off my mom's faith for most of my teen years, and it was kind of, there was a self-righteousness to what I was experiencing. In other words, I know that I'm a Christian because I'm doing better than that person. So I'm not as bad as them. So I know I'm okay. And in my twenties, when I, when I came back to church, uh, cause I'd fallen away from like your, you know, my, after I graduated high school to about 23, when I came back to church, the, the. My church experience then, and what I experienced there, changed me a lot, and I think I was really experiencing grace for the first time, and what it meant to be a Christ follower. And um, I always say it's like the story of the the man who couldn't walk, and so his friends had to cut a hole in the roof, you know, to lower him down. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a crowd outside. There's a crowd inside the building and they couldn't get their friend to Jesus. Well, I read the story recently. That crowd of people was religious people. They were law-following. They had been around Jesus' teachings. They thought they were doing the right thing. But literally, not only were they probably not receiving anything from Jesus, they were a barrier to the person who really needed to get to Jesus. And I think that's who I was. I was being this religious law follower who was probably a barrier to someone who really needed healing. And When I finally had some friends who shared the gospel for real with me and lived it out in front of me, it was like they tore a hole in the roof and lowered me down, and I got to meet Jesus for real. And so now what I do is I go out and do my show, and and hopefully it's a a piece of the puzzle in tearing the hole in the roof for somebody else. Um, And so that's what I try to do. You know, I don't necessarily preach at my shows. I do some Sunday morning services where I'll teach some as a part of the show, but usually I think I'm a part of the puzzle in that a church is trying to do an outreach event where someone who would not normally come to a church and they have a certain bias against church. Now we get them in the room and they realize it kind of demystifies church for them. And it might be a step in their, in that direction towards them, um, seeing what Jesus really is. And so I'm glad to be a part of that process.
1: Thanks for sharing your experience as well as your laughter and your faith with it. Johnny W. coming to Hill Church in Gresham this Saturday night from 7 to 9. Join the Fish Fan Club to buy one, get one on tickets. And make sure that you check out Johnny W.'s DVD, Angry Sandwich, his follow-up live from Franklin Theater, and his website, johnnyw.com That's J-O-N-N-I-E-W dot com. Johnny, thanks so much again for coming out and joining us this weekend.
2: You bet. Looking forward to it.